0: confused did we do a podcast before or do i just like have this imaginary relationship no, with you? i don't know. i don't think so I've, I've listened to some of the
1: ones you do i don't think we ever did actually
0: when i sent you that message i said yeah let's do another one i like the show <laughs> and then i thought wait a minute i have just simply been reacting to your i've been listening to your guest spots on whatever podcast or your movie takes and then i have my own sort of reaction to them but I don't think it's ever actually happened in real time. So Right.
1: No, exactly. Yeah. And I, and I know I've listened to you with David for sure. It's same thing, basically. So that was probably, that was probably, because I was thinking of that after you mentioned that. I said, like, wait, have we done one together?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it though, because in Osborne, he actually suggested this, because we did this for a couple of years here and it was our, our pandemic, um, you know, do something while we're locked down. Mm. And um, he suggested, see that, Something started happening where he get, he never likes movies. I didn't realize that he didn't like watching <laughs> movies with me. So it started, first of all, he skipped a movie that we were going to watch. Then he uh, he started watching them on three times speed. And, oh, and then at one point I left to go uh, get a drink of water, and I when I we listened to the recording later, he was singing to himself, saying, "Why do I do this to myself? I don't like <laughs> movies. Maybe I should just call and talk to Dave on the phone." And then he said, "Hey man, what if I give you the passwords, and then you talk to Scott? Because Scott's the movie guy."
1: Oh, he suggested this. Right? Yeah, okay. It was,
0: this was totally his brainstorm. He was. <laughs> it was like the. Do you remember? You're old enough to remember the Life Serial ad. Let's get Mikey. Oh yeah, yeah. You're right. So he's like, let's get
1: Scotty. He'll watch anything. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like movies. But then we go off into other things. Yeah, you're right. You think about it. He's not, you know, he's more passionate about other stuff. Well now, you yeah, know, with his whole anime thing, right. um, it's a little odd a strange tangent kind of took
0: you know. yeah yeah I'm, I'm only uh familiar with uh, it's like the big three or four that everybody my age gen x seems to have seen like fist of the north star uh, yeah yeah akira um, akira akira. Yeah, akira yep right yep. vampire hunter yeah, no, yeah. right right that's,
1: right. <laughs> that, that's kind of what i came into it also I mean, really, yeah
0: yeah so he does right. that one and he, um in the jdo show he had a lot going on there and so he's, he's probably got two or three other podcasts anyway. So you've been shanghaied to take his spot. <laughs> all right, all
1: right. Now I can live with that. At,
0: at least I'm going to find a bunch of movie people that want to, uh, that, that can at least drag their ass to the theater once or twice a year. Oh, yeah. Or well, Jed
1: certainly, I'm sure, would be up for this.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And yes. we should talk uh cuz uh, everybody was probably if anybody that still listens to that listen to the old almost goods might listen to the new one. So I should introduce you. you uh this is uh, Scott Adlerberg. I've got his book here in my hand. The Screaming Child is your new book. This is one of those um from what I've read so far, I'm about a third of the way through it and we what do we got one of those uh sad disturbing missing child books that uh <laughs> parents write to torture themselves? Is that safe to say?
1: It's indulging in your worst fear. <laughs> I think it's fair to say yeah
0: right no. well it seems to have it addresses that dilemma from uh from the vanishing you know like would you rather not know anything or would you rather have the worst right know, right and uh, i don't know i can't answer that question i think i probably want want to know i don't know
1: i know I, I don't know if it's neither one is a good choice what was that case you know the woman the girl who was snatched out of her front yard and she 16 17 years how would you live with that for six to- i don't know i, I don't
0: know yeah. yeah but and i'm at the point in the book where they're um the protagonist is written from the point of view of the mother, which I thought was interesting. Mm. And um, they seem to, they're dealing with it in their own ways. Right, least, right. I don't know if you're, if it's like a red herring, but the, the it's one of those things where you don't want to, um, you don't want to say somebody's reacting incorrectly to grief, right? <laughs> but, right. Every- but they seem to be reacting incorrectly to grief. And so I don't know if you're setting me up for some reveal there, but I, you don't, you try not to be like uh, you know, Meryl Streep and cry in the dark and, uh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yes, yeah, like how how are you properly supposed to respond to this horrible situation? It's
1: all right. They, she in that movie, she was basically pilloried because of her, her reaction, right? It wasn't that, right. You know, yeah, yeah. No, I know.
0: All right. So that just means that I'm suspicious of everybody in this book so far. I don't know what,
1: <laughs> If you're suspicious of everyone, I was just saying that's a good thing. So it's okay. working so far. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's what
0: I'm and I I love the uh, like trying to solve it. It's it's early enough where I'm not just totally depressed about the subject matter where. it mm. The, the disappearance has just happened, but there's the possibility that the kid could have just run away because you you chose an interesting age. The kid's old enough that you wouldn't just tear your hair out and, and worry because there's a possibility it could be a runaway situation. So, right, right. So you can kind of enjoy the mystery of it, and or at least not be as stressed as if if like a five or 10-year-old was missing. Yeah. it's the worst possible thing but yeah i like the idea that uh recording this the weird screaming in the woods and sending it to somebody to try to solve it already is um that stuff is uh is fun you know it's, i i want it to get grim but i also hope it doesn't i i think that's <laughs> the, the curse of parenting i don't know
1: lots of people could relate to this obviously
0: yeah, um, For sure it's a good size it's a good size too it's like it's uh barely cracks 150 so that's a that's that size i can't seem to master <laughs> Okay, so um, I was hoping that you would see, not only did you see Oppenheimer, you saw Barbie also. I did go uh, see Barbie a couple of days, about oh, a week shit. later,
1: a few days later. <laughs>
0: yeah, So <laughs> you uh, you did the, the, requisite, the requisite pairing. I did, yeah. <laughs> uh, I only know, um, so now Amy went to see it. We got two kids over here, and one of them mm-hmm. is only four months old. So we figured we, if we want to go see these movies, we'll have to do them alone, but we'll have to take turns doing it. Right.
1: Okay. Yeah, that,
0: and that worked at the beginning of uh when we uh had our first child. That's how we went and saw Midsummer. We one of us went, and then the other one went the next day, and then we waited to, t- <laughs> to talk about it. But this one, we fell into the that essentialist trap of boys and girls. So I went to see Oppenheimer. And she to, <laughs> that's funny. And she, went, she to went to see Barbie. To see <laughs> but but now I'm just like madly curious about Barbie because that's the one I didn't see, and she could give <laughs> a shit about Oppenheimer. So I, t- I told <laughs> her it was three hours long, and a but yeah. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. You see, so you did you uh, you saw Oppenheimer last week? Was it?
1: I saw Oppenheimer actually on the f- opening day. I went with um, a couple of friends. Uh, we I, I actually played one of. The, I've done it four times over the years. I I played a little hooky from work. Maybe we shouldn't put that on. <laughs> I left work a little <laughs> early. What do you What do you leave time? So no one at my work is going to
0: hear this. I'm sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you got to uh, start it started You got to start it early or else you're going to be there with a yeah, three-hour yeah. movie.
1: With a 3 So we went the first day and big, you know, big screen theaters, like whatever, 10, 14 theater, you know, screens there. Um, and yeah, it was funny because especially coming out, which was about six, I think it was a three o'clock show It was just, it was, the theater, the whole theater really was filled with, not only, not only women, but all the women were wearing pink, but you know, all these people going to see Barbie, but Oppenheimer Theater was was filled too. And then I went to see, that was um, opening day, and then I just went to see Barbie Monday, this past Monday by myself at a matinee. So it wasn't too crowded there, but um, I, no apologies either, Barbie's good. It's worth, it's absolutely worth seeing. It's funny. It's clever. I, All I say about but you really gotta be uptight you really gotta be in up really uptight to take <laughs> this movie like oh it's you know attacking this and attacking that and it's 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 satirical I mean about right. men more than women for sure obviously but it's it's hardly something that's I, you really it shows more about the people who comment about it than the movie the movie is very it's
0: very well cast that's what it seems. Um, that's what yeah it, amy was telling me about it and telling me some of the zingers uh some of the funnier lines in it and it sounds like it it calibrated itself to like the its audience found it which is rare that you know usually the, that's not including the people that are raging about it but it's i was hoping it was going to be a kid's movie because there's nothing to take a kid to see right now um <laughs> and, but then it, she says, not really, she might be bored because it, it really is more entertaining for adults. Yeah, I Maybe. think that's
1: true. At least like from like the age 12, 13 up, you, you know, you'd be into, but adults are definitely, you know, when I when, it, when they first mentioned they were going to do Barbie, I, it was funny, my reaction, because I, I guess I must have heard, I don't remember what order, you know, Margot Robbie's in it and, and Ryan Gosling and then Greta Gerwig. So this, oh, that sound. But I was like, you know, uh my I'm 60 years old. So I watched a lot of TV in the like, you know, late 60s, early 70s, cartoons and late after school. So I'm probably about as far from the Barbie demographic as they had at that time. You know, person of color, a black guy who was a boy, you know, and yet I probably have seen as many Barbie commercials as anybody else. Right. Know, That's true. <laughs> so, so I was like, "Yeah, Barbie and Ken, of course." Even though I never had them and had no interest in having them, I got to see how they do this. So, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I Greta Gerwig's previous movies—you wouldn't, you wouldn't guess that she would go in this direction. That, that—well, I mean, maybe that. The, the ones that I saw was Lady Bird and uh, Francis Ha. Right, right. Is that what's? Well, she- Oh, I see. Well,
1: she directed, I mean, Francis, I think, was was Noah Baumbach who directed. Oh, but
0: right. But she, she
1: did Lady Bird and Little Women. I haven't, her version. Of, I haven't seen that yet. I saw Lady Bird for sure. Oh, that was, okay. That was, yeah. Um, And she co-wrote Barbie with Noah Baumbach. I mean, they're together, you know, but as a pair. But um, they co-wrote it. And, You know, you can see this is the kind of movie where it's, you know, it comes from a toy and a Mattel and all of that. You really, she really has to thread the needle to do a good job. It's not easy. She did a, she did a great job. It sounds like
0: from what what I hear, they do some of that cutesy, like biting the hand that feeds them so that, Mattel is the villain in the movie, right. right?
1: Yeah. Mattel is the villain. Uh, and uh,
0: what's his name from Saturday Night Live? You know, it was in
1: um, i got to forget it was in a zillion things. The comedian Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Yeah. Will Ferrell is that is the head of Mattel. So, okay. you know, you can imagine it's not someone you're going to hate. You can't ever hate Will Ferrell, but He's essentially nominally the villain. and one of the jokes is the entire board, all of the all of the people on the board on the floor or whatever 50 of the Mattel you know corporate building, they're all men and all, every single one there's not one woman working there. And, right. they, and they're in charge of like, no, oh, let's have a blonde bar, let's have this kind of Barbie, that kind of Barbie. So it gets these little digs in. Yeah,
0: it definitely gets mm-hmm. these I little wonder, digs. I wonder, I wonder how like how bold that really is. You know, that, like when they did uh, these new, um, uh, what's the show, uh, Black Mirrors? How they, it seems to be mocking Netflix, this Netflix product. This is the, I don't know if you've seen the first couple episodes. I right, saw,
1: so yeah, like the one with Samaya. Definitely, I saw that the first couple this year. Yeah,
0: so yeah. So Netflix is the villain there, and you, and you when you watch it, you think come on it's not real you know what i mean it's, it's like, i know i know they, no. it's it's their way of getting away with uh we want to make this thing about some sort of corporate monstrosity the the elephant in the room is that we are one so right so let's be cute about it and it sounds like that was this needle you're talking about where she has to thread that needle of i want to make fun of this but i also they're clearly paying the bills here this, <laughs> right this toy can't be you know, ruined by the movie. I assume by the time you get to the end of it, the toy is—it uh, pr- hasn't been the—the uh, the image of the toy hasn't been destroyed or anything. No, no, it's not the that. Super, the- it's, so it's less of a Noah Bombach project.
1: Right, right. No, it's, I mean, that's, I guess, the maybe one of the interesting things of, I guess, of some, some movies now is, and something like Black Mirror is, I guess, you know, unless you make a very low budget independent, we kind of past the era you could be, since money plays such a big part and you got a talented director like Greta Gerwig, you know, they throw, they she can make this movie. I'm sure she's, so I had some thoughts about Barbie in general. I mean she's she grew up right. you know, probably playing with dolls or whatever. um and you know how do you how do you deal with that now it's 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 not like the old days where you can just be totally subversive if you're gonna be making on the other hand, maybe movies were kind of always that way. you know, like a lot of the old movies, they would sneak in their messages. They're not gonna tear down society. on the other hand, they kind of have their cake and eat it too if they're good at it. I guess that's right. the best you can do. I don't For know sure. you know
0: no, absolutely. Yeah. That was one of the uh, conversations that comes up here a lot probably because we watch or at least i put the movie zodiac on constantly it's got, oh, okay. it's got that it's got that little moment in the middle where they go to see the dirty harry movie mm. and uh th- that's like an ongoing debate of you know is that first dirty harry movie is it is it is that a case of that having your cake and eating it too is it is he fascist or is he subversive is he because he's he seems to hate authority but also he's you know he's clearly a, yeah. a bully and you know they kind of do it i think they do it way better in the the second Dirty Harry, where he's literally killing cops. So they right that, right. that one. That one feels much more subversive. But the first that one, one feels yeah.
1: Go ahead. No, no. I was gonna say. I, I was gonna mention. You're right. I think the second one. I Remember years ago reading something about about that, and he said like, you know, they were forced to in the second one because they had that dilemma. He's a bully, and he's kind of he's fat. he's authoritarian in, right. in certain ways but he doesn't respect authority so they had to make in the second one the villains are like proto-nazis was it david soul a blonde guy right, blonde. Right. You know, yeah. so dirty harry by comparison is fair is okay i guess if the villains are that exactly. bad exactly
0: is it, is <laughs> a, i think the comparison i had it was when you have when hannibal lecter is the uh becomes the hero because the other serial killer in those movies is always so seedy and, you know, <laughs> right. and, and off-putting they're like oh he's the he's the good one he's the good serial killer so, <laughs> right. di- so dirty Harry's the good fascist because he does what <laughs> they want him to do but yeah that's that's the kind of uh that kind of cutesy stuff where is, is it really subversive or is it just are you going to see a pro cop fascist beaten up hippies movie or are you going to see a uh, San Francisco native you know, trying to break the system from within or whatever, you know what I mean? Right, right,
1: yeah. No, that's one thing that I think Clint Eastwood, and he's made so many movies, some are better than others, but that's always made him interesting is he kind of... He's kind of you know, it's not in real life politics, So that's one thing, you know, he is what yeah. but in the in the movies, he's very hard to pin down. He's exactly kind of very, he's exactly. very there, and that's what makes it so
0: interesting, you know, whether it's yeah, the dirty he, Harry movies. He's fascinating. He, he does the old uh he does like the Bruce Springsteen thing, though. The, the, here's one album for me and one album for you. And one and, yeah. and every so often the one movie for us, you get the unforgiven, or you get something I would even say the, the first or the first two dirty Harry's, we're like, what the fuck was that?
1: <laughs> but, but then you,
0: then you get something like Grand Torino and you're like, what? This is like old man shaking his fist and, but then, or, or, sorry, old man screaming in a chair, but then he comes, he comes back with something like, like a or white hunter, black heart. You're like, Holy shit. I know. So, right. <laughs> so who is, you just can't figure out who that guy is. And I think he f- he's probably does. He, he's kind of like his, his hero, John Houston, where he's, he's infiltrated as much as he can, but he's, you Know he's he is a monolith. You know, he's he's still just like Barbie is, isn't the, the user is a literal monolith at the beginning of the movie? They,
1: yeah, they, they have a complete riff on you know
0: 2001, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah,
1: which is one of the better riffs I've seen. I mean, it's been riffed before, I guess, but yeah. Um, no, I, I think too, like you know, um, with Clint Eastwood, another thing is. To me, he sort of seems like, you know, this would be maybe a good topic for a talk sometime. I thought about this a lot, how people are at their, you know, in regular life, I've I've talked about this, I know, sometimes in regular life, they are, they are, and they can, you know, they don't always come across well, or they talk about politics, they sound like anybody else, you know, they're not the most informed, but they're better, like, he's better in his art than he is in real life. He's more complicated and more ambiguous, um, who would make a movie like uh, what were the two um, World War Two? You know the Irojima movie, and then uh, yeah, I mean he makes then once from the Japanese point of view. Who the hell would have expected Clint to make a movie like right. that? You know? it's,
0: it's interesting because what you're saying is it's kind of the opposite of what you what, at least what I seem to see with actual mortals. Not outside of the Clint Eastwood world <laughs> right. is that people online are very um, overly simplistic or less interesting, whereas in real life, you meet somebody, you're like, you're totally normal. Why are you such a piece of shit on the <laughs> Internet? I don't, totally. I don't understand. I don't understand. And Clint Eastwood is the opposite, where it sounds like in real life, he might be kind of a piece of shit. But then on the screen, you're like, who is this guy? <laughs>
1: exactly. You know? No, you're right. He's much more interesting. I know uh, you, you must remember this, the podcast, Karina Longworth, great movie podcast. She did a whole one on on Sandra Locke. You know, so Clint Eastwood oh, plays. Boy. And he, oh, he, was, he was, there's no way around it. He was such an asshole. I mean, yeah. he was such an asshole with her. You yeah, know, really, a, really a piece of shit. Um, would,
0: the worst thing he ever could have done was green light that Rat Boy movie that she made. <laughs> <laughs> I know, the Rat Boy. <laughs> Boy, that's right. that's gotta be abuse. <laughs> no that's kidding. gotta be right. abuse. Exactly.
1: How to get rid of how to get rid of an Ex you know what like, listen, to do. don't I have do not make rat boy. Yeah, rat
0: rat boy, yeah. Here's a here's some, <laughs> some, some millions. It's great. Rat boy. It's- <laughs> you'll be in <an> <laughs> you what know,
1: exactly. okay. i know that, but yeah that's um but yeah, know that 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 stuff is really interesting where and but i agree with you. like with a lot of people on online you then you might meet them and you're like wow yeah person's fine they're funny they're yeah, okay what,
0: ha- what happens to the filter of that screen whereas Clint Eastwood he's got the it's the reverse maybe that's the um, And that's why people end up with the separate the art from the artist if it was if you you're separating the artist from the art is uh maybe that's a lot easier to do or something i don't know it's uh yeah,
1: i know i'm not sure but i just think in real life it, I, there's, there's too much exposure to, to art too artists so to speak you know whatever right. you want to call them now uh, who knows like if we if we saw uh you know if 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 Dostoevsky and Tolstoy were on fate they might have seemed like total assholes for a week you know what i mean
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> it's like, like it's uh, re- it reminds recently i was uh, i showed tough guys don't dance the movie to to amy to my wife oh yeah uh, and uh, mm-hmm. wasn't sure how she'd take it because i i put a lot of terrible movies in front of her but that one's Uniquely terrible <laughs> to where it crosses over into kind of brilliant, I think. So she, we watch. Yeah, it. no, I agree with you. Yeah, we get to the end of it. She seemed to be enjoying it while it was happening, but I've been burned on that one before. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So I turned to her, and she's like, "I would watch that again right now if you pushed play oh. And uh, <laughs> it's become this sort of, um this sort of a uh, 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 Rosetta Stone in our house. Like, are you cool? Do you like tough girls Do you like tough guys don't dance? Or can we trust you? <laughs> But uh, I decided to reread the book, and I'd read it. Probably I would read it in undergrad and at the time I couldn't distinguish between the two of them. So I would, to me, the book felt like the movie and the movie didn't seem that unusual back in, you know, the early nineties. It just seemed kind of like a Lynch knockoff to me.
1: Right. It was had
0: a bit of that (laughs) feel. Yeah. I remember that. Right. And uh, if, if anything, The way we're we're talking about it, that it seems to predate Twin Peaks, and it seems to have influenced it heavily. There's very much, there's a lot of Twin Peaks crossover there. But anyway, so I rereading the book, it's there. The separation is much more severe when you're reading later in life because the (laughs) book. He's trying to do the book serious, and then the movie he gave up on that. You can tell that the movie's just kind of a. It's like a riff on those types of movies. Um, Yeah, I, I saw it a long
1: time ago, but I didn't. I don't remember thinking that this is totally straight or serious. You know, like yeah. he, he's he's in on the joke, so to speak.
0: Right. Where the right. The, the book to to maintain the gag of of approaching some sort of it's very it seems like a very straightforward plot on the surface a guy wakes up where did he get his tattoo there's a severed head in a in his uh marijuana stash so that's how it's and, and it, that could be played in a, a lot of different ways but in the book it's he does it deadly straight because that all the incidents are so unusual that the book is is almost borderline melodramatic it's so quote serious but anyway <clears throat> long story short I, i've been rereading the book and we were watching the, the movie and um it just sort of reminded me of uh that that famous uh, insult from Gore Vidal where Norman Mailer attacked him at a party. And, <laughs> right. uh, and his response is one of the greatest put downs ever, especially to, to a writer when they asked Gore Vidal about this fist fight or whatever. He said, as usual, words failed him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that is a great line, which, is, perfect a, line. which is so good. <laughs>
0: and uh, but that which led me down the rabbit hole of wait a minute, how many people did Norman Mailer attack physically? And, <laughs> I mean, and there's that famous bit he like attacks Rip Torn with a hammer. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. You yeah. see that on uh,
1: on on uh, well I think I, who I think Rip Torn more really attacked him on that one. Oh that is, um, okay. Now Rip yeah. Torn because the, was the director. That's Maidstone, right? Mailer was the was directing yeah. he made directed like three films in the 60s, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and semi-andy warhol style, you right. know, in those days. And whatever happened, it seems like it it does look like it's real i mean really ripped i think just got um
0: completely fed up
1: with
0: yeah he's got his uh he's got his freddie got fingered uh face on when he goes after him there but yeah the uh, oh he's really he looks he, he looks like he's ready to murder but yeah that's uh i don't even know where i was going with that except that norman Mailer seems to be both the, the rare example of on both both ends of that just off off the reservation and say, <laughs> or, or yeah. difficult the movies are difficult the books are difficult and he's <laughs> and he's clearly very very difficult he was very difficult.
1: no i was talking about him with somebody there was a podcast somebody did about um it's really it's really good about him the whole thing with him jack henry abbott because right. jersey kaczynski and it's like 10 parts and they really really are ripped into mail and i wrote i like, wrote a thing to to them, and I said, like, it was very good, but I, you know, but the thing is, if you remember Mailer, like, I remember on talk shows and stuff, the one thing about him was he was a, he could be a complete asshole, and he tried to kill his wife, but he was very funny, and he was also very self-deprecating. It was like a mixture of, you know, he knew he could be an asshole at some time, and, um, like, the famous one, did you ever see the the, the clip where, um, was that t- this famous thing at Town Hall, him against the Feminist, like, 1970? Uh, I, Jermaine I think, Greer. I, yeah, I saw
0: some sort of some sort of super cut with that in his response to the Madonna sex book. They, it was a, it was just sort of a, here's a list of Norman Mailer being terrible about women kind of thing. <laughs> right. but,
1: and he, he is, I mean, he, but he's, he's simultaneously terrible and also like people are making, all of them are making jokes about, and he laughs all the time. And at one point, Cynthia Ozick, the writer, gets up and says, you got to see how she does it. She's this tiny, tiny, you know, woman, turns out to be a great writer herself. With this high, and she says, I've just been needing to ask you this, Mr. Baylor. And she basically I've just been dreaming of this. It's a fan. And she reads a passage of his that's completely ridiculous. It's so overwritten, and it doesn't even make sense. It Doesn't even make sense. And when she finishes, she's like, you know, but I don't understand what was the color you were talking. What does yellow mean there? Something like that. And he's like, I have no idea. That's one of the worst sentences I ever wrote in my life. I don't even know what the hell I was talking about. <laughs>
0: yeah executioner's song i got heavily into and tough guys don't dance started tried to read ancient evenings and it was oh my goodness
1: yeah that looks like i couldn't
0: couldn't do it yeah but as far as the the jack henry abbott stuff um I, i don't know how he saw. he must be bulletproof as far as repercussions for doing, for making a, a huge mistake. You know, he, for people out there who might not know, he, he petitions to get somebody released from jail because he's a good writer. Do you have any of Jack Henry Abbott, the belly of the beast? Yeah, no, I read it. You know, it's, it's a terrific book. I mean, there's good doubt about that. Yeah. You know, the the sequel though, this is where uh, things took a turn. I, I was into it enough. I liked the executioner song enough that I thought, well, I got to read, I got to read anything else by this guy. I didn't know that he, uh, that he'd gone back to jail and that this guy had killed somebody. So I'm just, this is pre-internet. So I'm thinking, does the, did the Belly of the Beast guy write anything else? And then I find in the, <laughs> in the database at the bookstore, it says, My Return. My Return, yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought, oh, awesome. This is his return to society. This is going to be really interesting.
1: <laughs> it's not that kind of return. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so I
0: start reading it, and it's half of the book is a is a stage play with stage direction on when he stabbed the guy in the restaurant that sent him back oh, to jail. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I heard it's
1: terrible. Yeah, I never read
0: that one. And, right. yeah. and it makes you think, oh. did he... Did he write Belly of the Beast? Because this doesn't seem to be the same guy at all. But yeah, but yeah. As far as uh, Mailer, uh, didn't he just sort of um, decide he wasn't going to talk about that ever again? He didn't... Yeah, you know, he
1: realized that. <laughs> no, I mean, I couldn't miss that in New York. That was
0: that was literally front page, you know, front right. page
1: news. Of course, um, you know, he didn't come across well at first because I think at one point Abbott killed a guy and then he went on the run. It took him a while. To, they took the police and whoever a while to find him. He was down in New Orleans selling hot dogs because he had read *A uh, Confederacy of Dunces and that's what the main character in the Confederacy of oh, Dunces geez. does for that's really where you know that's where really where he got the there's inspiration to go to man. New Orleans and sell hot dogs.
0: It's, there's the real crew. You know, there's there's the, the- <laughs> I
1: know. Uh, and Miller at one point said something early on about like, um, you know, whatever, let's 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 keep this, you know, um, let, let's not get carried away here. Richard A. Dad, who's the guy who was killed, mm-hmm. um, is or, is already destroyed. Jack Henry Abbott's still alive. He said something like that soon after the murder and he got pilloried for it. So maybe that was when he realized just shut up and don't say anything more about right. this, you know, again. Yeah. But um, yeah, sometimes that with, the whole thing
0: was unfortunate. Yeah. When, when people d- do that sort of hand-wringing about who do what do you forgive if, if is the art good enough to forgive all this shit. With him it's so weird because the the great book existed pre-release from prison. So it, it's almost like Mailer's influence on that particular writer as a guru was was worse than bad. It was I, I don't know maybe the guy I don't know if he ever would have uh, been paroled if he hadn't written a book that had such a splash but i know yeah. but he seemed to be not really wasting his life in the cell if that sounds horrible to say you know what i mean like at least he was creating interesting literature yeah, uh, yeah. behind bars whereas when he got out he all, had no
1: idea he had no idea how to function i mean yeah, all those de- a-
0: right all those demons just uh, right back into him and it sounds like if if you go by the book my return if you go by the 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 terribly written hardcover, <laughs> right. half, half play, half manifesto, <laughs> even by his own admission, he couldn't stand any disrespect from the waiter. You know, it was, and, oh. it's, and it's just a, just jailhouse shit. Right. So you, it's you, just like,
1: total jailhouse shit. Right. The guy, I think the guy was pursuing them to help him or something. You know, and he, and he, they took it as a hostile, a hostile yeah, right. move. And, you know, right. totally, yeah, but that was a disaster. A complete disaster. Yeah. But yeah. Right. Right.
0: Well, we should probably, we should probably Oppenheimer it up here. I could talk about that Okay. Like, wait, wait. Yeah, no, I know, <laughs> no, <laughs> we'll, no, I know. They've we'll been bringing him back in when we get to the, to the nuke. We can talk about him some more. But... <laughs> okay,
1: right.
0: But yeah, so you, but you went to, at the beginning when you're talking about, you went to see Oppenheimer and you said you saw all the pink, that was, that was not in Oppenheimer. You saw that on no, no. the lobby or whatever?
1: I don't know the lobby. Yeah, no people oh, are going okay. to see Barbie. Because it was like a big you know, old big screen. It's a really nice theater, but big multiplex. You know, so some people are going in to see Barbie. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. I was
0: just wondering if the, the crossover seems to only go in one direction, where a lot of people I know that saw Oppenheimer go see Barbie or want to doesn't seem to quite go in the other direction.
1: I don't. even, I was thinking. I really think I heard conflicting things uh, about Christopher Nolan's reaction because Bar- Barbie was was is Warner Brothers, and you know every film he made through Tenet was Warner Brothers. Every single film from I mean maybe Warner, maybe even Memento was released by Warner Brothers. but Obviously all the Batman movies and they had he had a kind of falling. Out with Warner Brothers after Tenant because he wanted to only have it on the big screen, and that's the year they were they were screen they were streaming everything on right. on HBO Max. So they kind of like to get back at him, and then we left that he made Oppenheimer with whatever MGM or whatever studio it is, and to yeah, get back at him, they released Barbie the same day, and he was supposed to be pissed about that. I think he should, if he is. I don't think I don't know if that's true because I think he really he benefits greatly from oh, this because yeah, I think there's a lot. He loved that a lot of people would not be interested. Probably an in, in Oppenheimer, younger people, for lack of a better word, to do both. I'm sure their main interest is Barbie. Also, Sir Oppenheimer. I'm sure he picked up more business from yeah. Barbie than the other way. I, he benefited more than the other way around, oh,
0: Absolutely, that's, that's yeah. one of those turn the melons into melonade. Definitely. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. if you think about the tenant, tenant was just a huge dud. But uh, I actually saw that in the drive-in because it was dead center in pandemic land nobody was going to see that and um that's the one where actually uh where osborne and i were supposed to review it and we ended up reviewing the trailer and pretending it was the movie and uh, it was indistinguishable because it was it's such an obtuse kind of movie it's kind of inscrutable in a lot of ways so the, the experiment was oh how, yeah yeah it is. could we just review a minute and 30 seconds in the same way and not quite a successful experiment <laughs> but uh but yeah <laughs> but you're you're absolutely right that he couldn't have lucked out any better with by them incorporating his movie into the other movie because it, people are doing it to to do it it's it's a it's this activity yeah oh it's yeah too bad. I, mean... I, I wish it was like the untu- the end of the untouchables where they go into an oppenheimer screening and into a barbie screening and they're like let's switch the juries and all, <laughs> yeah. all the all the pink goes into one room and all the gray goes into the other (laughs) but i was thoroughly entertained by it i got some i got a lot of issues with the last half hour but i was i was reading your take on it and it sounds like you liked that boardroom debating stuff maybe more than i did but i want to get i want to get to that but as far as the um the initial uh uh, setup of the movie and the way it was structured i i would say that there is an attempt to i don't want to say dumb it down but to make it entertaining it's especially like the, the black and white, it's trying to make it easier to follow, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Tenet and, uh, and Inception and probably Dark Knight Rises, is it, he just throws it all up there and says, good luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it out. Yeah. And it reminded kind of uh, the social network, which is nothing but a bunch. It's like a stack of dueling depositions and hearings, which shouldn't work. That it should, should, be, should be terribly yeah. boring, but social network worked beautifully. And this seemed to work too. And I think it helped because his fission section and his fusion section were color and black and white, and you could sort of calibrate exactly what uptick intention tension was supposed to be. I don't know, but some people might think, did we, did we need it to be black and white for those certain flashbacks? And by the time he muddies those waters at the end anyway, that I don't know if the black and white stuff ultimately helps the movie. I don't know. What did you think of that? Uh,
1: it. You know, that's a good question. I mean, I don't know if it helps the movie. It definitely, definitely helps you distinguish between the different timelines. So, I mean, it helps in, in terms of clarity, I guess. And it is of time when most things were in black and white, although, you know, then it could have had the whole movie in black and white, I guess. No, it didn't really, it didn't really, it didn't bother me. I mean, I found, you know, when you think when you really think of it, it's it is very ambitious that he's gonna make a movie about it's just nice to have a movie about a real subject. Obviously, it's not a spin-off or any of that. So that was all great. And most people are not gonna really know. I mean, maybe they've heard of Oppenheimer. He's gotta make it accessible. I thought making a movie about science, first of all, and a complex science that's gonna be exciting and accessible. Not yeah, not silly, I mean, it's still like at a pretty high level of you gotta really pay attention and figure out is it, I thought more much more than not he pu- he really pulled that off well. It's a pretty ambitious thing to try to try to do, I and mean, you don't see think of how many movies are like that where, where you you yes. know it's, um everyone knows about the atomic bomb, okay, maybe they've and everyone's probably knows who Einstein is, I would assume you know pretty much. After that, I don't think anyone, like, Ed, when, I, when I heard they were going to make, like my, my first question was, like, who's going to play Edward Teller? Because I remember Edward Teller when he was 90 years old. Yes, Star Wars, the Reagan Star Wars is a great idea. Yeah, he was <laughs> a, a lunatic. He was a genius, I guess, but a lunatic. Mr. Pro-Hydrogen Bomb. And he made all of those people very um real.
0: Yeah, I, he, thought. I mean, yeah. You know. He got a lot of mileage out of casting a, a physically interesting looking person. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's for so, sure. Very sad <laughs> <yeah. laughs> you know. And
0: there was yeah, there was more cameos, director cameos. Well, there was at least two that I remember. There was there was the Safty, um, who's R- funny looking enough that you're like, Okay, that's why you picked him. Um and then I think the blue right. ruin guy, the 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 blue ruin guy was one of the The guys in the meeting, he's kind of put on a bunch of weight. He's got that distinctly kind of square face. That's right. Yeah. And I thought there was another guy. It it definitely is, as far as your point about there's an effort to get the common theater goer to be interested in it. People seemed like they were on the edge of their seat the whole time. And there was, Oh,
1: I thought like when I saw it, they seemed that way. Yeah. They did. And they,
0: and I was surrounded by, I don't want to say that they were influencer types, but they seemed a little, uh they didn't seem like they would be interested when they first got there. There was a lot of talking, a lot of playing with their phones. And I thought, are these little fuckers going to talk through this whole. Fucking oh, yeah, yeah, And, but they didn't. And, uh and I started to wonder if well, you said earlier about, well, everybody knows about the atomic bomb. I think you might be giving them too much credit. I think they might have enjoyed it because they don't, they might know that there is such a thing or they might have heard those words maybe separately or something. <laughs> or maybe there's a, maybe there's a superhero called Atomic Bomb. I don't know because the kid to my left was, because I kept looking at him and I thought, I think he was crying towards the end. He couldn't believe that they had dropped it. I thought, does this kid? Oh not? my goodness. I don't, that's know. really
1: bad. I don't yeah. think
0: he knows. I don't think that kid knew. I mean, even in, you
1: would think the basic of in school, but that would be, you we dropped two body I mean, dropped two body You don't know. No, that's true. But, you know, like what's funny is I thought I'm pretty well, you know, fairly well versed in it. I never heard of Louis Strauss, you know, Robert Downey, I've never heard of this person. I was yeah,
0: like, yeah. I, that was one of the things that, that was one of the criticisms I had. There's a ton of superheroes talking about cameos. You've got you got Iron Man, who's got, I think that the Robert Downey Jr. clout means that he's in a lot more scenes than maybe he needed to be in. Where I, I was losing interest in him towards the end, where I just kept waiting to get back to these these other dilemmas. You got uh well, you got Iron Man, you got a black not black widow, you got what is it, the white widow. Oh like, uh, oh black, yeah, what's her yeah, her yeah, a yeah, uh, little, little yeah,
1: right. You got right. you
0: got the scarecrow, right? He's the main guy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, true, yeah. With the uh in Edge of Tomorrow, that's pretty much a super the, the full metal bitch Emily Blunt or whatever in Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> right. So you've got you've got some I would say some mainstream popcorn kind of people through this somber character dri- or conversation driven more than character driven because Oppenheimer's still kind of a cipher. Uh, even though he's deep- kind of
1: a cipher, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. But I think, he, but I think that shows like what the actors—they—they all, you know, like they all good actors or very good actors. And Robert Downey's always been a good actor, but they all sort of got sucked in, or they took, you know, they got these roles. Yeah. And now in the superhero, now people think of Robert Downey as, as Iron Man when he had a whole what twenty-year career before that long career, and he's always been a good actor, and he was probably glad oh, yeah. now to just be doing a regular. day He's a probably regular role again, you
0: know. Death, uh, he's probably des- know. Desper- desperately glad to not have a, a CGI mask like a over his yeah, face exactly. and, and, off, and off his face, and have that. I
1: could do I could do some real acting. Wow, yeah. you know, without a, I don't, without I don't a have screen?
0: to. I don't have to look in awe at a swirling uh, technological uh, <laughs> right again bullshit. Like I don't have to point into the distance at some sort of <laughs> you- shit. You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, did you read this thing? I just saw it on somewhere on the internet and I thought it was pretty interesting that Christopher Nolan had, you know, Cillian Murphy and Robert Downey watch Amadeus for the the relationship between uh, Amadeus that, that and Mozart. Sense.
0: That makes that sense. That makes
1: total The mediocrity oh, mean, and the tr- and the troubled genius. You, you know, and that, the mediocrity.
0: So you mean Mozart and Salieri?
1: No, it's Mozart and Salieri. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Strauss, obviously, yeah, Salieri. And you've got the troubled, not a perfect human being, genius, and because the resentment in Strauss, especially after Oppenheimer makes fun of him at that hearing or whatever, that you know, right. con- congressional thing. I said that's it. Inter- that does make sense, right? It makes total sense.
0: I just and wish the, that uh, they would have those scenes work. And I like the the zinger at the end that, you know, he they weren't talking about him at all. They were talking about the end of the world. That and, was good. Uh, yeah, that was good. <laughs> I wish they that's when they kind of dumb it down, where they there's a couple lines in the movie where I knew he was gonna say maybe they were talking about something more important, and I knew he was gonna say it. I just didn't know he was going to say it in that sort of uh, mainstream movie kind of way, where it's, yeah, no, they, it, they, it, it hangs yeah. on hangs on that beat. The same, like one of the characters in the middle of the movie says, "This could end World War II." You're like, eh, "Wait a minute!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was some.
1: <laughs> there was a little bit of that. There was some of that, I, but I, you know, it's kind of. I, it didn't over. It wasn't overboard for me. It's because a huge. Bi- you know, so it is basically a biopic. I mean. And just well, think of how how bad most biofics generally are of any kind. Right.
0: Well, that's um, the thing. That's the stuff that fascinated me, and I liked that it was it kept him at arm's length uh, again until the end, which uh, I'll get to in a second because I want to hmm. spend a lot of time on that. But they keep him at arm's length, so you you think you're getting this. I don't know if you remember this one, uh, the movie Quills. Oh um, yeah, yeah,
1: sure. The Marquis de Sade. Um, yes, you know, yeah,
0: that yeah, that's an interesting. That's a good movie. Yeah. So that the whole argument surrounding like creativity in that movie would, if, uh, if the, anybody who hasn't seen Quills, it's about the Marquis de Sade, and the idea is that you know he has no responsibility of what he creates. That he is creating things. He is an artist. What, his art seems to be not just disreputable or transgressive. The movie Quills takes it to the level of. It actually leads to people being killed that he's, mm. he's that he he's inspiring people to do terrible things. And in the movie, it just says, so what? And he <laughs> and it, as it escalates, I don't know if you remember the end, they take away his pens, so he writes in his own shit, and then they take away and then they take away the ability to do that. And I think he's like writing in his own blood. The idea <laughs> is that he, he can't stop creating, he's writing, he's what seemed to be just overblown soap opera sex. Purvy tail like he just or with some yeah. like he can't it's not necessarily amazing art but he's producing right. he's producing art and he can't stop
1: and he can't stop right and, and yeah. that
0: that was amazing because it it took that to its conclusion so when i'm mm-hmm. wa- when i'm watching oppenheimer i thought this is the stuff i really like where he can't if anybody asks him he can't seem to explain why he wants to make what seems to be the worst possible thing ever created <laughs> Ex- except <laughs> right. for the fact that he's creative right and he yeah and he wants he it seems to get a charge out of when he has those moments of success they make sure that he's his excitement is is rare in the movie but it's definitely there and it's when he's creating and so the movie can't really come to terms with him being both destructive and creative at the same time and so when it can't that's when i think it's great and then at the end of the movie they start saying wait a minute oppenheimer what are you are you you know, or do you feel bad about what you made? Or do you, are you proud of what you made? And I thought, don't say it because right, it's, right it's it's all there. It's all there. It, you don't have to say it. And there's no simple reductive kind of answer. You know,
1: we're, we're, yeah. what's funny is uh, what a, it also had that, you know, kind of related to this. It had that kind of, um, I don't know, you, you might call it something like narrative perversity where people are doing something that we all, you know, everyone knows this is a real thing and the stakes are the highest ever and it's, Overall, it's better that it's certainly better that we beat the Germans to the bomb. I mean, that, that goes without saying, I guess. Right. But when they did the Trinity test, and then they all start cheering, you're sort of like, "Fuck yeah!" And it's like <laughs> they just made a bomb. And I was right. like, and that's that's when something is working. It reminded me a little of The Big Short, and when they, uh who was I guess Christian Bale was one, and they make all all these people go bankrupt. On the other hand, you're like, those fucking guys were great. They were so smart. Right. I'm glad they succeeded, even though. It's terrible that they succeeded, but yeah, you sort of admire the, sure. their, their brilliance. And that's sort of what, this, on a bigger scale, that's kind of what happens here. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and, uh, and, you, know, and you, you can feel the, that's when I thought it was the most interesting, is you felt a little bit of that weird patriotism kind of, kind of going through the crowd as they watched it, like, we are going to defeat the Germans. And then it started to muddy the waters and say, well, uh, the Germans surrendered, so what are we doing again? And then, <laughs> and then, and then I think the best sequence in it is when they when they're picking the cities and that's when the movie oh, n- needs That to was it. a great scene. Yeah. yeah, yeah. cuz then yeah. Cause in those moments you get to see the hypocrisy of it. and just the I don't know if you've seen the movie Conspiracy where the Nazis are sitting around talking about the final solution it stars uh Katie Oh, is that the one with was Kenneth Branagh yeah
1: yeah Yeah. yeah. right it's so mundane you know oh we'll we'll
0: do this right right exactly they're they're doing the math and they're and they're making decisions based on even their their personal quirks right right it's like when the one guy's like you know what we vacation every year there it's a beautiful place so we're gonna take that (laughs) we're gonna take that off the list so that's the kind of creepy crazy shit that I could have done with a lot more of that.
1: Stuff. Oh, no, I, I love that. I agree with you. I love that. That also, that's sort of like, um, and you don't get that often in, in fiction at all, especially in movies. I even had a moment with that scene. I was like, that's history. I think I talked about it with my son. We saw it separately because he went to a Barbenheimer double feature the next week or something. And I said, that's, that's, it's not always these grand moments. Sometimes history comes down to something horrible or dramatic. This, he didn't want to bomb Hiroshima. I mean, he want to bomb Kyoto he did acknowledge it has cultural significance because he honeymooned there. That's so right. much of history comes down to stuff like that. They don't talk right. about that much. You don't right. see them. That was a great scene. Man. And that, that was and strange. that
0: brings yeah, that brings shit home right there. And that stuff is so much more impactful I thought than than the climax which turns into I honestly I couldn't really follow what was going on. They they had another hearing with him in a smaller room. Where I guess he was—he was trying to get his security clearance renewed. That was—that's the, when they took away. His, so yeah, yeah Louis so,
1: Strauss had set him up to take away his. That con- maybe went on a bit long. I agree. With it it just that. feels yeah. like
0: it's—it's the stakes are low there, and that's fine. But it, it felt like it had a natural conclusion, which was him giving that speech and then seeing people burning up in the. And yeah, that, yeah. Where, where his contradictions are clear, he's giving a speech that what he's seeing and contrasting to what he's saying is the contradiction in this guy. And it's laid out for you right in that moment, you know people are waving flags, and he's saying things' which right he now, to, now yeah, which he seems to believe, but he also is a, fully aware of what he's done and if they would have ended it when they cut to that guy in the alley throwing up credits right there, I would be a, probably a top ten movie for me, but they yeah, then yeah, they no. go on then they go on another hour, and the hour seems to be not nothing about the really the security clearance, which is the the plot the the hour seems to be Robert downey jr's petty and (laughs) right and the movie on the what it's going to do is on a very surface level is going to talk overtly about his contradictions so it's just nonstop people saying well what is it with you do you do you feel bad or not and things that never would have come up in those meetings they're they're literally asking him about characterization they're like let's talk about your character and and it's but they're talking about the character in the movie you know what i mean they're talking about yeah yeah the audience needs to make sense of this character we're gonna do it Pace be yeah. damned. We're going to do it here
1: and, for you. And he's not, and there are no, And I mean, even, in, even after all that, they can't really, because he's not, he's not re- reducible to a simple answer. I mean, I right. thought one thing in that, in that security clearance thing that sort of brought that home that was interesting was the the law, the main lawyer for the, the guys trying to nail him, who's kind of an ass and he's doing yeah. his job. And he asks Oppenheimer, like, I don't understand. You helped make the atomic bomb and you have a hang up about the hydrogen bomb. The only difference is we could use two hydrogen bombs and you would need 20 atomic bombs to do the same. You could still do the same damage with the atomic bomb. You just need more of them. We could still destroy the world. So right. why are you so hung up about that? And he doesn't really have an answer. I mean, that's a very good question. Yeah. You know, how come he's so... That was,
0: that's a good line. That that's a good cool.
1: line, right. Because there's no... You know, and he doesn't, he doesn't answer and there really is no answer. And he had a loud teller. Because when Teller's like, I don't want to work on this. I want to do my own stuff. He said, go do it. I mean, he gave Teller carte blanche to uh, go work sort of on your own on the high. He didn't say no. You know, so that aspect I thought of the movie was effective. There are a lot of questions that really, like, it's its real. It's history. You can't really reduce. But But I did like that aspect very much, which in any movie, and he did it well here, where these historical things are. Present it, and you know, you grow up, you read books, you see a documentary, you learn a little in school. Oh yeah, yeah, they made the A bomb. It must have been, you know, however they did right. it. And then you're like, how the fuck did this really happen? And you have a bunch of it, it is really like any other project, except the stakes are very high, and everyone involved is a half genius, half you know lunatic. Right. And someone's actually got a martialist through from start to start. That part was very interesting. I like the sort yeah. of nuts the procedural nuts and bolts exactly. part. Right.
0: yeah th- and then that's the reason that we, i'm always rewatching zodiac is because it's it just re- perversely refuses to solve anything and this one it just like refuses to be a spectacle it just says mm. we're gonna we're gonna talk it to death which and that's not that stuff i love I, I like getting new information and learning about this stuff that i've not that i didn't know about before it just seemed like the the end was this big characterization trial. Like, tell us about your contradictions, sir.
1: Yeah, no, and, that, that's true. You're right. It did not been
0: too much. Which doesn't, yeah. which doesn't really. It's not that complicated of, of a dilemma. Um, like if you go back to the to the movie Quills, like I I get it, but I don't I don't know if I needed that extra hour. I, that's the kind of things I want to discuss later on my own. I don't want. But there was a couple. There was a couple good lines in that, and they you could tell they wanted that ending of the. They wanted to come all the way back to the Einstein thing, and to get there. They had to sort of yeah go around the go all the way around the world right they took the long way they took the long way around but somebody said to me well how would you end that movie and um, we used to do some on the previous episodes of Almost Good uh, I would try to script if I was to script doctor it how would you do mm. the la- the last hour of the movie and if I was to script doctor this I would kind of do what they did in Fat Man and Little Boy I don't know if you've seen that one the uh the previous episode I never
1: right no I never saw that actually
0: yeah yeah I got I should watch it just for, it's, you know <laughs> lots of lots of similarities a lot of the the joys of this one as far as the procedural stuff is, is all there mm. but but it's you know it wasn't risky as far as it, it was more of a spectacle but there is a moment in it that it doesn't happen until later in in real life which is those the accidents with the core where they knock the core onto the ground and some uh, one of the guys gets radiated uh, oh right yeah yeah and in, in real life, it happened between between bombs, between the atomic bomb and the hydrogen bomb, from what I understand. But in *Fat Man* and *Little Boy*, they do this—they they kind of retcon it. And they they make that happen during at the uh, at the little town that they make. They make in Los Alamos, yeah. So you get an idea of what this bomb can do, uh, mm. what it what it's going to do to people. Uh, not just explode that it's John Cusack plays the character. Who I can't think of his name in real life, but in real life, somebody was m- maneuvering one of these cores and it fell out and they he quickly put it back. But then he's like, um, I'm dead. Um, oh, boy.
1: Yeah. Uh, and let's, all, <laughs> let's
0: all draw. I think he says, like, "Do everybody put a little chalk line around your feet so we know how far away you were from it and uh he does the calculation he's like i'm dead but i think you're gonna be okay and then sure enough in a couple, <laughs> in a couple of days he starts to you know mutate basically and that's yeah and that's the kind of thing that that is more more of a hollywood moment right but mm. I, I think that if they're going to play with if they're going to amp up the importance of this mundane meeting i think it you might as far as i know that's very very historically accurate except maybe the relationships um I would put that scene in there. I would do the same thing Fat Man and Little Boy did, which was pretend like that happened in Los Alamos. because okay. yeah. or this is where the, where the script doctor would happen. Or <laughs> he gives the speech, um, and you could maybe he loves this kind of he loves those that those edits. He could crawl back and forth between that and that accident, and there's your ending because that that has all the all the weight of, and it also gives you something visual. And I just think that that. I don't know why Nolan would not include that very personal experience of one of the scientists accidentally radiating themselves. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. It seems like it's. they even named the core, because I guess it happened twice. Two guys were killed by this core, so they started calling it the demon core. Oh, Oh my goodness. (laughs) Eventually, they melted it down and turned it into 100 other bombs or something. But that's the kind of thing where, why doesn't his movie-making brain kick in and say, do I really need Robert Downey Jr. to have so much spending yeah, time.
1: I will say that stuff didn't bother me as much as it did you, but I, I will admit I was wondering, and maybe it's because I never, as history, it was interesting. I I'd never heard of Louis Strauss and stuff. But I, at the same time, I was wondering why they're spending so much time. I didn't find it uninteresting, but I was wondering why they're spending so much time with Louis Strauss, who's I at this point, a, a maybe, peripheral figure in history. I mean, who? the hell yeah, is it, you know? maybe yeah. Robert
0: Downey Jr. demands at this point, <laughs> isn't he the highest paid actor in history? So maybe <laughs> mean, a certain I mean, Christopher Nolan
1: probably has he probably has the clout to, uh, to you know he's <laughs> <things, laughs> one of the one of the few. You do it my way, you know, you know, not in the movie. <laughs> but, yeah. no, no, it's mean, true. The only thing I can think of is maybe. You know, whether it worked or not is another question, but maybe some of it was, you know, if he, if he sort of was thinking along the lines of Amadeus and, you know, Mozart and Salieri, which is one-on-one, it doesn't involve Congress and politics, it's really about art, right, the mediocrity and the genius. Right and and Salieri is a more interesting person than Lewis Strauss. Right, and
0: Salieri gets in early with that conflict, whereas this one they don't even tell you there's a conflict until right, right. Hour.
1: That's so the you, point of the whole movie in Salieri, right? In Amadeus, you see so does the-
0: yeah, it doesn't quite. Yeah, happen. but as far so, as the 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 stuff that I thought worked the best, on um, was the there was there's a scene early on where he seems to give up his kid because uh yeah yeah I because think they want to go right? ride they want to go ride horses and drink. I think that's what this. <laughs> So those are the sort of messy moments where you think this is actually kind of interesting because I knew they weren't going to glamorize him, but right. the, the audience still has to kind of follow along. And and there's just that sequence where, he you know, the party goes in and says to his brother, can you take him for a can long you, they, time. Can,
1: you, can you take my kid? That's what he said. I know. I, said, I know. Really? It's amazing. You know, um, no, there were little things, like, I, I, I'd love to read the book. I mean, I never read American Prometheus, but I was, you know, you're delving around on the internet, like, you know, doing some re- Wikipedia and everything. And yes. apparently um, his wife, I guess, you know, um, Blunt, Emily Blunt. Blunt's character, yeah, yeah. she, um, you know, because of the, the tension in their says so, first of all, there were, apparently there was a lot of drinking at La Salle, which is comforting to hear. You know, you have all these guys. <laughs> yeah, but, also, yeah, but also, like, um, and she stood out even among all those people as like one of the heavy drinkers, which they showed in the movie, I guess. Yeah, but also they, sometimes she yeah. would sunbathe She would sunbathe naked just to get out his nerves because she knew that he was fooling, you know, he fooled around sometimes. So there, right. there were, there's <laughs> probably even more to my there in terms of the, the quirks of all these people <laughs> than they
0: even could show in the movie yeah, <laughs> like, yeah the, that stuff um, was the womanizer stuff was hilarious and it, it, that was the the first half the first hour was uh moved quick and it felt kind of uh I, the first two hours i was i was riveted by the movie but yeah the uh just that that uh, it almost had a comedy cut where they he goes in there and says to his brother you know i'm a selfish and terrible person i don't remember the line i'm a selfish and terrible person and the brother's like well selfish and terrible people don't say that <laughs> Poppy. And he's like okay great take my kid forever <laughs> yeah. and then it's like so, a, it's almost so, 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 right? like yeah yeah, it's like a comedy cut to them riding horses and having fun again. Like we like, like, we got I mean, a, This is this is the great dappy. <laughs> he
1: tries to murder his professor. He cheats on his wife. He gives up his kid that goes out in the desert and goes horseback ride. This is the great hero of our movie of our movie. And he also know, he also gets it. to
0: They get to <laughs> indulge in that uh, there's like this real attempt to, to sexualize quantum physics. I don't know if you remember uh Beautiful Mind, which I detest that movie. Not just because I don't like it,
1: I don't I don't particularly like it. You know? it's <laughs> yeah, not yeah, just,
0: yeah. I mean it just did it had nothing to do with the reality, which which would have made a great movie. But it yeah. also has this really idiotic scene where he's using game theory to talk about who's gonna pick up the girl in the bar. Do you remember that sequence? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just so annoying oh, yeah. where where he's you can tell that the, the movie is just, just relishing making math sexy right and it's just <laughs> yeah. so so fucking embarrassing and this movie has one of those moments but it was actually kind of a little bit funnier where they try to make it i don't remember the scene exactly but i think he's doing it with uh with with white widow whatever um uh, florence oh Pugh. yeah 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 right yeah. he's trying okay. to make the quantum physics sexy with her and she's and she's very much kind of a movie character she does <laughs> she does the cliche uh, i was talking about uh earlier with with amy as Throwing the flowers in the trash scene, which, uh, as a, as I said to her, aliens watching our films would assume that this is the expected outcome.
1: of, <laughs> of receiving, you <laughs>
0: if, if you receive a banquet of flowers, what do you do? Well, you chuck them immediately into you the New York waste. Right, right.
1: you could hear you could hear a hair song now. This is what
0: humans do; they this throw is, their flowers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like uh, at least gro- gross point blank they address that where but she says i think she's like i'll go put these in some rubbing alcohol which seemed like (laughs) commentary on the on that ritual but but yeah the idea that i mean it'd be it would honestly be great if that was the ritual that that if bring a you know bring a human woman a beautiful fragile plant how (laughs) how creatively will she destroy it that right that that means that means she's into you you. i don't know why our our (laughs) alien voice sounds uh, sounds like oppenheimer all of a sudden i don't know <laughs> but yeah, that's, but, that stuff was very hot. That relationship shit was very Hollywood that probably the funniest sex scene since Watchmen when they played Hallelujah and the spaceship like ejaculated fire. Oh, yeah. I, well, there
1: were some directors I, and I, I, you know, I think Christopher Nolan said I read somewhere he was very nervous about filming his first sex scene. And with good reason, he yeah. doesn't seem to have a feel for, for that. I I mean, I, I think you
0: know, he does did, did he show equations in like a mushroom cloud? I, I think he might have. When they were... <laughs> it
1: yeah. was
0: like this no. montage. He did the montage. and He did like what an 80s director would do, which is, I don't know really, can we show it? Let's just make it like a music video, but except it's like a science video. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I mean, not, not
1: everything's gonna work, but it, that was very 80s, yeah. I mean, in some ways too... You know, the movie is a little bit of nostalgic value in the sense of, wow, once upon a time, we could all get on board as the same team and work together, number one. <laughs> right. You know, the United... And number two, they, they actually respected science. You know what I mean? It's like... uh you know, I wonder what Anthony Fauci thinks of this. If only they treated me like this. How come they didn't treat me like <laughs> <know? laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's got, I also think it does that, that thing. That we talked about the mundane earlier, where that's the most terrifying stuff. So they, they can show all the explosions they want and all the, the, you know, the decimation of the of cities and countries and, you know, but when they talk about it, when they say things like when they were talking about the the near zero refrain that the movie keeps having, where they keep saying, "Are we going to light the atmosphere on fire?" Oh, well, yeah, you know, that we, was good. That we've was we've done the yeah. calculations; it's near zero. <laughs> I hear that? Like, like,
1: yeah, that was good. He was he <laughs> was perfect for that. Yeah, well, a, zero yeah. <laughs> would
0: be nice. <laughs> near zero, and then they, they bring it up two or three times, which is great. They should have said it about ten times. But I like when they're they're taking bets on it. Uh, you talk about yeah. a, bad, a bad bet. Somebody was, is going to win if the atmosphere get,
1: Who's going to be the last person to collect on that bet? I know. Yeah. Really exactly. No, that the, was that the was idea really that bad, they yeah.
0: do it anyway. Just the fact that there was even a chance that it would set the entire atmosphere of the planet on oh. fire, and they still said, eh, "We're going to do it anyway, even if there was well, any then, chance." It's that even, that even it was a minuscule.
1: That stuff is terrifying. Yeah, and and he says well, kind of blindly at one point, right when they're having that discussion. Well, theory will only take you so far. I mean, that's a science. Right. we got to see if it's going to really work. The only right. way to do it is to
0: do it. Um, you know, you bring up... Yeah, Dan, no, I mean, uh, sorry, I, I said you bring up Matt Damon. I was, I'm wasn't. i not sure how I feel about his... The fact that he's old enough to play a grizzled general was sort of disturbing to me. Because <laughs> well, I, I, a... I think of him as a kid in Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> yeah. Like, but he also had, speaking of terrifying lines, and this is one that sort of... Uh, it makes me kind of reassess one of the speaking of tenants one of the main philosophies i've carried with me like my whole life do you remember when he says they're talking uh, they want oppenheimer to to rat on his buddies or his uh brother's friends or whatever of having communist uh um, mm, communist connections? Ties or whatever yeah and damon says so one of the other military guys like he won't tell us who it is and damon's like yeah you know it's that american schoolboy attitude that there's something wicked about telling on a friend And I thought, what? That's, that's kid stuff. Like the idea that you, it's not understood that you don't rat somebody out. You know what I mean? I couldn't, I couldn't believe it was said by somebody in the movie. That's not a villain. I, I don't know that that line is, it might not rattle you as much as it rattled me, but I thought, wait, is that a? Do I have a schoolboy attitude about ratting somebody out? <laughs> that's a, I thought it yeah. <laughs> was it's in it's just inbred and in, I don't know right. And yeah. plus, the way they said an American schoolboy attitude, I thought, wait, do the do the British do they tattle on each other?
1: That's true. That's a great yeah. In the IRA in Ireland, you know,
0: is that a schoolboy attitude? <laughs>
1: that's yeah. that's probably pretty universal. That's true. Yeah, that, right. So um, that, rat's I, actually,
0: I googled that, and apparently, it's something that he actually said. Apparently, that general actually said that or oh my God. i don't know if he was a general is he colonel
1: colonel at least yeah. Yeah, at least that type of colonel now he was perfect as, as as as. what was also interesting was like i mean i never knew this and it makes sense Apparently, nobody he says this like so you had a lot of recommendations here about me no nobody wants nobody recommended you nobody thinks you should leave this project <laughs> yeah. with <me>. like somehow <laughs> you know, yeah and then
0: he pulls he sets him down he and had a list.
1: stroke of genius a brilliance there
0: yeah, he does the whole Raiders of the Lost Ark moments. There's a couple of those that are very much some of the uh, fun scenes in Raiders of the Lost Ark where somebody flips around the the chalkboard and you have the the kind of nebbish uh scientist type is tell telling the military <laughs> guys what's up like putting the the fear of science into them, right? Or, <laughs> yeah, right. or there was and there was actual uh lines. Uh, there was a couple Raiders of the Lost Ark lines that I noticed like the um I don't remember the exact scene, but they they're in a room again with uh, both military and the scientists, and somebody says, mm. "Wait, wait! They're using uh, water as an isotope regurgitator, or whatever the fuck oh. they say." And they they literally do one of those. They're digging in the wrong place. Yeah, yeah. They took a wrong turn or something. Yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, so that
0: and that was totally know, that, that moment. That was the digging in the wrong place. And they also had the one where at the end of it, he does. There is some line essentially saying they they don't know what they have there. And the military's like, we got top men working on it. We'll take it. They do one of those, we'll take it from here moments. Yeah, they had some and, of that. In yeah. a, a warehouse full of boxes cut to the giant <laughs> warehouse. So yeah, that that kind of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark z- kind of zingers, I thought, also in, in a good way, kind of made it Hollywooded it up at the, at the beginning before it really right, started, right. settled in. Uh, no, it's
1: definitely, I mean, it's definitely, I guess you know, in a certain way, that would be, one that's more, I guess, you know, admirable, but it's definitely a Hollywood. You make a movie for that much money and with all that, prov- it's going to be a Hollywood. He made, he made an intelligent Hollywood, movie, Hollywood movie. It's definitely a Hollywood movie with some yeah. corny, you know, some of that sort of, uh, you know, kind of cheesiness or these kind of lines at times.
0: It's got but- the, I think the cheesiness, not as necessarily the, the words they're saying, but the pacing or the editing may, made it a little cheesier than it could have been like it had that that dark night rising pacing where you feel like you're watching a trailer where but instead of seeing action you're seeing these conversations and so they they never they never really i think fincher did it better in social network which should have been, been unfilmable but you get these rapid fire well not as rapid fire but you do cut back and forth between conversations and that one just i felt like it breathed a little better Whereas this one, it was I think I could tell that there was supposed to be some weight to those conversations because they would have these the deliveries that were so that were so corny mm. and and if you were just to make it a lot drier, I think that at the end the um, that they could have sold that that long conversation, <laughs> which I could tell what, what was what they were trying to do. But it honestly, the pacing has it's set up. I I can't prove this. I would need to get out the the charts and graphs, you know, back to the future style charted on the board. But I think. <laughs> I think that this movie might be perfectly paced for if you have to take a piss, you're going to have to piss right after the (laughs) bomb, right after the bomb scene.
1: Yeah, no, that would be the time. No, in that sense, it is unusual that you know some of his movies have this uh, number of like the Batman. There's so many climaxes. Yes, but um, it kind of. Yeah, that's true. It will work for some, and it won't work for others. It kind of decelerates after the bomb. That's true, and which and, and is unusual in a narrative structure. You know, right. generally things speed up to a climactic, and this sort of ends in a. I don't know. You know whether that works or not. Maybe that's what he was trying I, to go for. It's I like think like that last dramatic works. thing. The what does?
0: I think the very last sentence, the the Einstein thing at the pond. I think works really well. That's oh, that got, works. That works. That's like got well, the yeah. weight. I think yeah. it's, there's just. But, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. It feels like the um, I mean, there's no denying that there is something impressive about getting an audience for two hours to be on the edge of their seat. I think I said this earlier to somebody. They're waiting for a single explosion mm. and in a time when it's nothing but explosions. It's yeah, some, some movies have hundreds of explosions. And right. here there was a movie where people were just waiting to even see if it would even go off. And, yeah. And people were fully on board up until that moment. I think that again, he had he had him in the palm of his hand, and then sent him off to the bathroom, to take the Oppenheimer piss, and go see Barbie <laughs> because it, it was it seemed like it was timed perfectly for that. But
1: yeah, no, it's interesting because when I saw it with one of my you know a couple of friends, and we both were like, you know exactly why, and he said why he didn't show anything from Hiroshima or Nagasaki, which makes total sense. You know, he didn't want to in any way look. But it's, it does kind of, it's, it, there's two things working there. One is, you know, morally, ethically, not to show the bomb totally makes sense. And I yeah. really don't, I can't disagree with that. On the other hand, narratively, and this is someone we were both like, fuck, man, I was waiting to see the bomb. Yeah. It's a horrible thing, which right. is a weird feeling. It really is a weird, plus we've all, you know, most people, maybe not that kid next to you who never heard of Hiroshima have seen, you know, it's a mushroom. Plus so you don't really need to see it to know what happened. But narratively, it's building up to such a climax, and the Trinity test was that climax. But right. you're like, well, that's only a test. Let's see the real thing, and we right. don't really need to see the real. But it's weird how you feel that sort of like, fuck, how come he didn't show the bomb?
0: Damn right. it! And it's, but it's yeah, the right no. choice.
1: But you're right. It's about one explosion which you don't see, and everything hangs in the in an era when all you see is explosions constantly. It mean nothing. It mean nothing. Yeah, mean it, nothing.
0: You it, know? it feels like he put us in the he put Oppenheimer in the position of the audience in that moment where. Oppenheimer really wants to see it too. He really wants to yeah. know if, it, and he's on the phone. He, can, he he can't get anybody on the phone. Did it happen? And the whole audience is the same way. Did it happen? <laughs> That's and then right. He, yeah. And he hears a second hand. And I thought that was, I thought that was a great choice because I was also disappointed at first, and then I saw what he was doing, which was, you you get to see it the same way he saw it, which is the
1: way he saw it. Right? No, yeah. you're right. He was definitely he, you know, after all of that work, he's like a, a very distant bystander to this amount. And then he. Yeah, wins, as a scientific he, thing. It's an amazing achievement what they did. It's a you know they made something horrible, but it is incredible what they did. Did A-W you like to the uh,
0: when after he after it happens and he goes to visit the president? And you get that surprise cameo from Gary. <laughs> from <Ulrich. laughs> That was there. a little cartoony. <laughs> that,
1: it's Gary so I can't complain. I that was like,
0: some. Aldrich. That was some Hollywood shit right there.
1: It <laughs> was definitely get, Hollywood.
0: Get, get that crybaby out of here.
1: But, but you know he apparently said that that's another thing that's a real line i, yeah. I didn't know because I, I was like oh my goodness what kind of but that's i don't know if he said it at that moment but uh and I wonder know, if that was he, definitely-
0: yeah and he is he uh this is my question he he. T- he's oppenheimer's upset and truman takes out his handkerchief you assume gonna give it to him because he seems like he's crying maybe a little bit But <laughs> he right. but he kind of waves it like a surrender flag and then doesn't give it to him there's some very specific choices going on there. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, was,
1: I, I wasn't I was sure
0: did that did that happen? Because Oppenheimer might have said in his in his book or whatever that
1: I don't know. That's a good <laughs> cause that was a very specific but he did call him a crybaby. And it was like that was a little <laughs> cartoony, but it, I, I I anything Gary Oldman does, I pretty much like. So it doesn't. But it is true. But like he did even there though, he did make a good point where he said, um, you know, you think anyone's going to remember the person who made the bomb? They're going to remember yeah. the person who dropped the bomb. That was a good point. Right. You know?
0: and, and from what we know of Oppenheimer, that's the kind of thing that also haunts him is he does want some sort of place in history. Uh, Recognition or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's, he clearly did, you know. And so to, for him to be torn, it's that's the stuff that I thought was fascinating. I And I, I'll take the the romance stuff if we have to have it. I'm a huge fan of Pugh Florence Pew. Florence no. Oh
1: yeah, no, she's terrific. She's a really so good. Yeah, she's, she's great. She's been a, yeah.
0: She was in a really bad movie though that uh, I can't think of what it's called. It was like a half-ass Matrix fifties uh, thing where she was stuck in some virtual reality place. To, oh, that was terrible. Nice. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, complete
1: garbage. Olivia Wilde, the right? yes. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean.
0: Some real junk. And so this one, they didn't they didn't use her as good as they could have. She's she's got some interesting things going on. Um, I think she has the big line that another one of those lines that kind of rattled me she says "The um do you really want to alienate the only people that understand you or maybe the wife said maybe emily blunt said it but that's yeah. one of those things where to me i think you know it, it makes me immediately think about writers the only other people who understand what you do the other people that also write and i think man that's that's tough yeah. when, you know from writers are the absolute worst creatures ever, <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> ever <laughs> to spring forth that, like, <laughs> and that's who you're stuck with but no, uh, but jokes aside, that that her stuff was I think was pretty good, but it, I, not, I think
1: well, it's hard, they you know they they really I guess they wanted to. Sh- I mean, that was something that happened. They wanted to sh- give a full picture of his life, I guess. And
0: she's she was and, and it, for some of the weirdest nudity you'll see in any movie. where he's, the? Do you remember the when he's in the meeting and they do this sort of double reversal of you know when people tell you if you're going to give a speech, imagine the audience naked. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so Oppenheimer is somehow ima- imagining himself naked because he's confessing or whatever. But then also his wife is looking at him, so she's imagining him naked, but also naked with his mistress. So it's, yeah, that was it's, like, it's like this Inception double imagine people naked moment, <laughs> which for for us as the audience, we just see two people grinding in the middle of this hearing. <laughs> I know, right? Which, which is an uh, a truly odd scene. Which is, like you said, probably the result of somebody who. Like, hey, hey, Oppenheimer, you want to do a sex scene? And, he, and <laughs> you know, Oppenheimer as Nolan is uh sure. Let me get out my beakers and my, and my uh, my Tesla coil, <laughs> and I'll uh, I'll put I'll hit my Frankenstein lever, and I'll give you that uh, that. Sexy, I'll give you that sexy I'll, stuff. I'll give,
1: I'll give you that scene, right? No, it's you know, <laughs> he's clearly not uh, you know Nicholas Rogue or Bertolucci. He's not a sensual, you know. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's not definitely not. We can see that's not his forte whatsoever. No, I guess yeah. Just the show is fully rounded, and again, how as a person he was less than you know, I would say, perfect ideal. I mean, he he had his complications and flaws. Whereas Louis Strauss is always like, well, I'm the head of the uh, whatever synagogue it was. He seemed to be fairly normal, you know, per, person you know, in the sense of without many uh, other than being envious, small minded, and you know, resentful. He, he didn't have all these sort of warts on it in his. That was probably, I think, why they explored so much of the Florence view. But she's so good that you know she's a good actress uh, that uh, I would' I mean, if anything, I could have seen. I don't know where they would put it in. make it a three and a half hour movie. I'll leave it a little bit more about his relationship with his wife. probably would have been interesting, but they got they can't have everything. I mean, it's already three hours. because that sounds like it was a pretty strange, you know, or let's say fraught fraught marriage not maybe not a strange marriage but a very fraught marriage and she sounds like she was pretty formidable mentally herself i mean it didn't sound like he married an idiot or anything so that yeah they, they definitely you know, gave her a,
0: they gave her a showpiece scene where she gets to correct yeah yeah the, the, correct right and gets in a few zingers of her own that felt a little late in the game but you know
1: yeah right but otherwise to her-
0: that's to, i guess to balance out her giving away her kid and going off to ride horses and have the, <laughs> <of> the best <laughs> afternoon of her
1: life and make big, good cocktails you know in, in Los Alamos. <laughs> right. I know. I, and the whole thing is so strange that they i'd ever do this like they, why los alamos i mean i guess they always why did they want I, I thought it was the government they put him in a secret location and it's because he went camping there as a kid he got to pick the place i mean that was so strange sure. you know that's yeah that's like
0: the opposite of what why the other guy Picked Hiroshima. He, he, yeah, did, exactly. The place he went camping did. He, why would he want to blow it up?
1: Right. Yeah, I, I know. And he spread nuclear waste all over the place. But that scene, too, was I thought it was when they're building the town and you see him walking down the street with his hat on. He's like, this guy's Gary Cooper.
0: He's the sheriff. Yeah. And that's a, that's something I'm it, like so a Western. There's a bit know. of a meme going around where people are saying the first time someone's ever been cast where they're not as good looking as the real person. And so they put <laughs> they put a picture next to the actual Oppenheimer who who does look kind of like a Gary Cooper type.
1: He's not like um, walking down the street there, or whatever. Yeah,
0: yeah. Right. Where uh, what's his name? Uh the scarecrow looking a little scarecrow y. He's scarecrow. He's good. He was good though. He's it's yeah, enigma, But he's very
1: he's an odd actor. I mean, I've always found him to, a good actor, but he always says something a little off about him. Yeah, you I know, know. in an attractive, attractive in those, way.
0: He was great in those uh those fast zombie movies, the the first uh Oh yeah, 28
1: to... 28 days later yeah. or whatever. Which one... week, yeah, he so... was.
0: I think he's somebody said he's game to come back for a third one. Um oh, to... I, I would watch that. Yeah. Even though yeah. I thought I thought he died in the first one, but I, maybe it was maybe that's that a zombie a, movie. Maybe that so. was I a deleted be... that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> right. But yeah, and he's pretty good on that peaky blinders. I was enjoying that. If you like n- oh yeah, yeah a I'm ton of sure. Nick Cave songs and right <laughs> yeah. now uh, he lots, was good at that. Lots of sparks flying in that one, so yeah, um. Awesome. well maybe that's uh maybe we've purged our purged our thoughts on Oppenheimer. I don't know if we got it out <laughs> no, of our, really. out of it's our system. Think of our yeah, the uh got it out of our system. Yeah. Right. Right. Hey, cool, cool. You said you have a how old is your son? He's seventeen, now. Yeah, he's uh, 17, okay. 17,
1: okay. So starting uh college. He's oh probably God. starting um August, a couple of weeks through, a few weeks we got to bring them up, Boston
0: up to Boston BU. Oh wow, so, unleash! Yeah, unleash! So <laughs> uh, uh, Boston he, University. Did, what does he Boston think University. of the, the depiction of colleges in these movies that you make him watch?
1: got to ask
0: Is he <laughs> yeah, going to use the, the use the slide rule to to? I
1: know. All I know is when we were touring all these colleges, you know, I um yeah, every single time we went to California, we went all over the place, you know down. Washington, D.C., finally picked BU. We went up there, Picked it, went to a few colleges around there. Every college I went to with it, I was like, man, why can't I just go back to school? No worries. <laughs> no cares. And I, was, yeah. I might pull a Rodney Vagerfield idea. I got a, ver- I got a very dirty look. So I, I dropped that idea. Very quick. <laughs>
0: That movie kind of holds up though. That back to school k- could be worse. Uh, a rewatch. I, was, I
1: agree. I agree. it could be it definitely could be worse. Yeah. It's because they have Bailey. Some, you know, yeah, something
0: so, about right. I can't I can't even look at him without laughing. I he just I don't right. know if that's a an a, an 80s thing, because I don't know if anybody else now finds him funny. So I, like, I
1: don't either. Yeah. All he's
0: gotta do is make a stupid face and I'm I'm just lose it.
1: And you'll lose it, right? Me too, yeah, Basically, that's uh... <laughs> but now he might have been up for I think he would because he knows Christopher Nolan and he's probably a little more savvy than most people who've been movies. I mean you know, but um yeah, he was totally into it. He went with one friend the same day, one friend to go see. I think Oppenheimer first, and then Barbie the second movie. So he was totally. I was like, if you and your friends are doing stuff like that, it's good for movies. That's yeah. all I can
0: say. All right. Yeah, yeah it's I, good for movies. Just, it's good for them, too. I, I just
1: I, it, it's good for them, too. You just know, though, Hollywood's going to pick the wrong... Like, here, they're very different, and one is, like, you know, product-based, but they're both fresh. Barbie is fresh, and what They're just going to start copying those. Oppenheimer's a new sub. It's a, a subject. It's not a, a spinoff. And the question is, is Hollywood going to learn from this?
0: I, I'm never optimistic well, about you, that, know, you know, they're, of course, they're going to learn the wrong lessons from it. Right. You know, you're going to get some... Uh... I can't even imagine. I, I assume that we're going to get a bunch of toy movies. We'll get a bunch of toy movies. For but sure. as far yeah. as what what lessons can they learn from Oppenheimer? Um, the only lesson they'll probably learn is release your ponderous biopic on the same day as a toy movie.
1: <laughs> I that's, know. About,
0: that's the only. That, that's that's the only lesson. But
1: I know. I know. Yeah. No, it's well, it's probably to, like.
0: A, I hope I can take uh, my daughter to see uh, Barbie, but I think it sounds like I'm going to have to wait a little bit. She's just... Um, the oldest... It, how
1: old is it, the oldest? She's, the she's,
0: she's only four. That's a little young, probably. I, don't think, she, I just
1: don't think she'll get it. I don't think yeah, it's setting,
0: but yeah. Amy thought she'd be bored. She'd be bored. Yeah, yeah. We just took her back from... We had karate today. She went to... Uh, it's tough to... She doesn't even want to get through a whole karate lesson. I don't know if she'd get through a whole movie yet. And I want the yeah, first movie to be something she really wants to see, you know? Yeah, yeah.
1: No, that's a good idea. No, I, I just... Probably would be a little boy, and most of the jokes are gonna go. I mean, oh, maybe mo- you know, most of them are gonna go over her. Two psych yeah. eggs, you know, she would live. But it's probably a couple of years, though. I think yeah, I'll give it a years. couple of years. Once, once, yeah, our, yeah.
0: once our little karate thing is over, we we walk down the street to to this karate lesson. And um, yesterday she went, and we, there's these big. We go up these big stairs to get into the karate place, and then we come down and go out onto the sidewalk. And she stepped out onto the sidewalk, maybe five feet in front of us. And mm. somebody somebody on one of those electric bikes just went whoosh oh, went, on the on the yeah. sidewalk, and they were on the Honestly. sidewalk so today, uh I figured we don't normally go to karate two days in a row, but I kind of talked mm. them in talked them into it, and I thought, if this is this was right around rush hour, it was right around four o'clock, I thought there's got to be a great chance that the same guy because he he, yeah because he was cutting through to get away from the traffic and then to take a left turn so he wouldn't have to wait at the light i thought the chances have to be pretty high that he'd do it again and um even after a longer than usual lingering after karate and going to get a you know a muffin from the little bakery uh, (laughs) and and just stalking that corner for about 20-25 minutes nothing (laughs) Never came back. It was the most, uh, the most disappointing. anticlimactic. Yeah, anti-climactic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to <laughs> say it's it had kind of, a, kind of an Oppenheimer ending, is what I'm saying. It kind of had the. <laughs> it was like the last, the last hour of Oppenheimer was me standing <laughs> in there for a, for a half hour waiting for that guy <laughs> just to come down the street one more time. It, I should have left on a high note. Which was when I got the muffin. <laughs> I, ironically, <laughs> ironically, <laughs> ironically shaped exactly like a mushroom cloud. <laughs> I should have left the Yeah, I should have left <laughs> the mushroom cloud. some <laughs> <I> have <should've> left <laughs> the mushroom. <laughs> left the <laughs> mushroom <cloud>. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know? <laughs> yeah. Talking about nuclear war. Talking about nuclear war. It's a motherfucker, don't you know? They push that button, your ass gotta go It's a motherfucker, don't you know? They push that button, your ass gotta go it's a motherfucker, don't you know? They push that button, your ass gotta go They're Talking about Nuclear war They're talking about Nuclear war They push that button Your ass got to go They're talking about Nuclear war. Yeah. they're talking about yeah. nuclear war. Yeah. Please push that button. Your ass got to go. Please push that button. Your ass got to go. It'll blast you. So high in the sky. Gonna blast you. So high in the sky.